Hello everyone and welcome to Risky Business's coverage of OSCERT 2011 conference here on the Gold Coast. I'm Patrick Gray. Our coverage of the conference is brought to you by the fine folks at Microsoft. Uh, without Microsoft's support, there would be no OSCERT podcasts. So massive, massive thanks to them. In this interview, we hear from Tim Hudson, an independent cryptography dude who, as you'll hear, may or may not have worked on Queensland's smart card driver's licence project. Absurdly, on legal advice, he can't actually tell us if he worked on that project. There were mutterings in the Queensland State Parliament some time ago about a project consultant criticising the rollout. The minister responsible also said something about the department exploring legal options to shut said critic up. Jeez, I wonder if that was Tim. Same bloke who had to pull nine slides uh, from his talk on legal advice. Tim did a presentation about the Queensland smart card licence that he may or may not have worked at here at Ossert earlier today. I started off our interview by asking him to tell us what he spoke about. The presentation basically went through um, all the different types of hardware security devices that exist in the market to give the user some idea of how to analyse the differences between them and figure out what security device makes sense for them. And as part of that presentation, I also went through the uh, rollout of the new Queensland Smart Card licence and the security properties of the Queensland Smart Card licence itself. Now, that's a project that you actually worked on, isn't it? I can't comment on that. Uh, I believe there may have been some slides removed from your presentation uh, in regard to the Queensland licence. Is that something you could comment on? Yeah, based on legal advice, I've had to remove about nine slides from the presentation. Um, it's the first time in, in presenting at about 30 different security conferences that I've actually had to have a lawyer review a presentation prior to giving it. In regard to the Queensland Smart Card licence, what were you able to speak about during your presentation? Uh, fairly general information in terms of what it is, what it looks like and what you can do with it. Um, nothing about any specifics in terms of security features or functionality. There have been some criticisms of the Queensland uh, uh, smart card licence rollout. In a broad sense, I'm sure you would, be, you would be aware of these criticisms. What are they? The, the criticisms are, are mostly uh, about the, the length of time that the project's taken to get a smart card out. Uh, the project's been running almost a decade now before it actually started issuing cards and around the, the choice of vendors and technology that are being deployed. And what are the specific criticisms in regard to the uh, choice of vendor and the choice of technology? So there are concerns around interoperability, reliability, things like that? Um, simple stuff like just the ability to use it. You're rolling out a smart card. How do you as a Queensland business use it? And one of the, the concerns about usability led to them actually putting the uh, address on the back of the licence. So it was originally intended not to have an address available. Then because you know, people were figuring out, well, if there's no address, how do I check the address? Um, they ended up putting it back on. So all the cards except the adult proof of age have got the address on the back of the card. Why is that a problem? Uh, one of the uh, justifications for going down a smart card path was to reduce costs and also keep all the information current. So there's about half a million uh, address changes every year and there are costs associated with doing an address change. Whereas if the information was only sitting on the smart chip, you update the smart card and you don't need to do anything else. Whereas now with the, the system putting the address on the back, you're going to get sent a sticker in the mail to put on the back of your smart card. Okay, and the information will just stay incorrect on the actual chip? 
Well, if you've not presented the chip, it's kind of hard to see how it'll get updated. Okay, right. So did this rollout, did this uh, 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 Queensland smart card project, did uh, the people responsible for rolling that out, did they select uh, widely used international standards for the licence? Are there widely used international standards for things like uh, smart card enabled licences? There is an ISO standard for electronic driver licences. Um, it's, it's been out there in the field. It, it's not hugely widely used, but it is there. Um, there's a range of smart card-based standards used in similar environments, but the department picked to go with ISO IEC 24727, which is brand new with no rollouts, and then on top of that develop its own security protocols. So in, in terms of available technology to interact with the smart card licence, there's not a lot out there. Uh, is the argument, though, that uh, as uh, adoption of the licence increases, then there'll be more technology available to interact with it? Or what's the justification? Um, I, I don't know, to, to be very direct. I don't know. But if you turn around and have a look in the global market of you know, billions of smart cards out there, a 3.5 million user base is simply not interesting for a technology company to address. Is this standard being adopted by other uh, jurisdictions, though? Um, no other jurisdiction, state or territory in Australia are, are actually announced any plans to roll out a smart card licence. I think they're all waiting to see how the Queensland one goes. What about internationally? Uh, internationally, there are some smart card licence systems in place. They're not using ISO IEC 24727. What are the uh, key benefits of using a smart card licence? Is it mostly about fraud reduction? It, it's a biometric licence, isn't it? Um, it's mostly about being able to determine a little bit of extra information to improve the security properties. So if you've got a chip, you can interrogate it and see whether or not it was issued by the authority. Um, in theory, you should be able to see if any of the information's been changed. It's, it's harder to get a fake past somebody if they're using the right software. Okay. And uh, do we know how much this project to date has actually cost, the smart card licence project? Um, the last publicly disclosed figure I saw was in excess of $110 million. That's a fair bit of dough. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some of that. <laughs> now, when we look at the actual uh, fraud statistics, do we know how much uh, fraud involving uh, driver's licences is actually costing us? Because I had a brief skim of an Australian Crime Commission report that was released under, Freedom of, uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, and it looked like fake driver's licences weren't really being used in a great deal of fraud in Queensland. Yeah, I, I went back and looked at the information released by the department itself. Um, it's recently come out under the, the Queensland Right to Information, which replaces Freedom of Information Act, and the incidents of fraud are statistically insignificant. We're, we're talking you know, less than 30 a year. And that's nothing out of a 3.5 million user base. And was there, I mean, is there, I mean, it seems like even if it's trending up or down, when you're talking about that limited uh, 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 incidence of licence fraud, I mean, it's, you would think it's not really going up that quickly, right? It's, it's actually trending down, and this is before the smart card licence has been introduced. So the figures are very small. Um, one thing that the department, of course, doesn't track is, is what does that cost? Um, that, that's you know, questions for other folks. But in terms of the amount of driver licence-based fraud, th there's virtually none in Queensland. So why is it that you think the, the government is spending $110 million of taxpayers' money on rolling out a, uh, a project that's not really based on any, any widely adopted standards? Um, it's, a, it's a very good question, and I think it's, it's a question more people should be asking. Um, there are additional things you, you can do with a smart card, 
but it requires rollout of the supporting infrastructure, which isn't there yet. Uh, I understand that someone, and, and I believe this to be you, I know you probably can't comment on this, uh, has been mentioned in Queensland Parliament. The uh, 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 various Queensland uh, ministers have said things like, we're seeking legal advice um, on uh, in regard to statements that this individual may have, uh, may have made. I mean, are you, have you actually been silenced by the government? Is that why you are saying no comment? I mean, is the person that was spoken about in Parliament, is that you? <laughs> OK, a very direct question there. So it's, it's an interesting one to figure out the right answer, Patrick. Um, so, so from this perspective, I, I have gone on the record of saying um, I'm not making comments at the moment based on legal advice. I can say that I had to run my presentation past my legal representatives and I can say that there is a dialogue with Crown Law underway. OK, so is this in regard to some sort of NDA that you may have signed or is that something that you can't confirm? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny I've ever had anything to do with Queensland Government. OK, right. And that's, I, I imagine that's the position that your lawyer has advised you to adopt. Uh, lawyers are, are generally fairly cautious folks. So you know, when, when people are concerned about issues, you tend not to inflame the situation by commenting. Yeah, OK. No, that's fair enough. Now, look, uh, let's move away from all of that for a moment. There was one question that came from uh, our, our favourite old crypto curmudgeon, Mr Bill Cayley, uh, that popped up. Uh, I live in a sort of semi-tropical area and I've noticed that my, my uh, uh, smart card based uh, cards, they're, they're pretty bloody unreliable. And it never really occurred to me that that might be because I live in a high humidity area with a lot of salt in the air. Uh, and that these uh, EMV cards and smart cards are basically developed for the European market where environmental conditions are different. How, do, how much does the different environment in places like Asia and Australia actually affect the reliability of smart cards? Incredibly. It's not unusual during a deployment in Queensland to see 20, 30, 40 percent failure rate in smart cards being deployed. So the, the environmental conditions are different. Um, it changes electrostatic discharge, the humidity changes things, in fact salt in the air affects things as well. A, a mixed plastic metal hybrid device is just not good for the Australian conditions. So is there, is there research and development in Asia or Australia that is looking to produce more uh, robust, just physically robust materials and stuff that can be used in authentication devices? Or is it simply the case that metal plus plastic plus, you know, salty, humid air equals fail, 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 fail? Um, metal plus plastic isn't a good idea, and that's why you can use a contactless smart card. So if you have a look at all your transport systems where the cards end up in a much more hostile environment... They're almost universally a contactless sealed plastic card. You can get the same functionality, you just need a different reader, but you don't have any of the difficulties associated with you know, soft metal contacts. But aren't there a whole bunch of other problems associated with contactless smart cards in terms of people being able to you know, zap value off them with uh, Pringles cans and stuff like that and, and antennas? Or, or can you set them up so that they require a PIN and things like that? You, you can set them up to require authentication prior to release of information. You can set them up so that you know, they're sitting inside a little unit so that they don't transmit. Um, you know, the, the, the Israeli goes past a, a, a rubbish bin and a bomb goes off targeting them because of their passport. It, it's technically feasible. But again, we're talking in the context of a smart card that's a driver licence. It's not really a super high security environment and you're already carrying around other contactless cards in your wallet. Now, if you use uh, transport in Queensland, the go-card, it's contactless. So why is it okay for a go-card but not for a driver licence? 
Why? I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. So, so I think the logic there is just certain people have got sensitivity about information that involves identity, but it's not really the technology that's bothering them. Yeah, I can, I can effectively track you with a go-card if, if I wanted to, but I don't consider it a problem. But it's also that you wouldn't really require authentication from something like a transport card, whereas with a licence you would, but perhaps there would be that perception. Uh, Do you think that perhaps the government is worried that there there will be a perception if they use contactless devices that they are insecure? Could that perhaps explain it? I I would say that there's a fairly conservative constituency out there that the concept of contactless would just freak them out, but because the banks have got those little gold chips on it, must be good. Um, I don't think it's any deeper than that. Tim Hudson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Patrick.